an old friend and uh, somebody I'm very close to, Bachi Karkaria. I take immense pride in uh, in everything that she puts out. Capture the dream, the inspiring true story of the founder of Leela Hotels, uh, which is Captain C.P. Krishna Nair, who indeed had many lives, is out on all on-ground as well as online stores. Please go pick it up. Uh, it's a juggernaut publication and I have Bachi here with me. Hi, great to see you. And uh, it's been a rough two years, I hope. No COVID. And if there was COVID, you recovered quickly. Yes, yes, I recovered quickly. And... Uh it was very mild it was this year but in a sense well covid was not that bad for me because anyway i work from home and also because uh, you know rishi you remember i used to write a lot about aids so i had all the background i had all the contacts so i was able to do quite a few stories right in the first wave of the of the uh, pandemic so all in all not too bad wonderful now, this is an extraordinary story because it's a man who indeed straddled many, many lives. But when and at what point did you get interested in the story of a man who at the age of 65 started an entirely new career or business for himself, which is hoteliering? And before that, and during the course of this interview, we shall talk about it, you know, dabbled in, in various uh, entrepreneurial activities. When did you first get interested in it? Actually, Rishi, the, the book came to me because it was going to be his, uh, his birth centenary in February 9th this year. They had already had a, a gentleman who shall not be named who was commissioned to do the book and he was in fact around when Captain was around which was he didn't die till 2014. So this gentleman was working on the book for several years before that but he didn't deliver a single line. So the family panicked because they did want this book you know in time for the birth centenary and they said oh, can you do it for us in like 8 months and I said 8 months but I don't even know much about this man. They said look they brought me an AV done by Vijay Amritraj and when I listened to Vijay speak about this man and talk about the things he did I was totally hooked and I said this is a man I must write about. Well, speaking of which, I know for a fact that Vijay was on the board of the Leela for many a year because unlike you, who always makes it a point to come to my studio, Vijay has always been very categorical saying I'm a Madras boy or I'm an LA person, I will not drive all the way to Parel. You shall come to me. So, you know, Kobar and myself will cart our gear to the a room in the Leela, right. which I have to say was pretty soundproof. And, you know, do these interviews. I have delightful memories of doing interviews with Vijay at, at the Leela. So, he, I don't know if he's still on the board, but... Oh, yes, he is. He him. is. And he and he really, really worships uh, Captain Nair. And I think Captain Nair worshipped him as well because he, in fact, named his tennis courts uh, in, in Goa. I think after Vijay Amrit Raj and they were in several uh, promos together in fact at one point uh, Rishi um, uh, there was Vijay Amrit Raj was to play a game and it was going to be you know like televised and the partner didn't show up so Captain Nair says no problem just give me a minute he went to his suite changed into his whites and shorts and came down and you know played for the camera but of course Captain Nair was a great friend of the camera as well true that let's start in the beginning I mean this is a man who very humble beginnings is Kannur in Kerala if I'm not mistaken and in the heart of Kerala being a, a socialist and then a communist state and that's where he grew up but he had patronage which saw him through his education yes uh, well I mean just let me tell you a bit since you mentioned the communists uh, for during his college years he did get greatly involved with the movement thanks to A.K. Gopalan who had come to the college and wanted uh, a volunteer not college school wa wanted the volunteers but patronage so this is this lovely story where this this little boy low caste really low caste Vanya but his mother manages 
used to put him into the school run by the Chirakkal Raja. And the very first year, the Chirakkal Raja comes for the Nash for the annual day and gives this amazing speech. And this little bedazzled boy is so taken up by what he saw and what he heard that he found himself involuntarily walking up to the dais and delivering this pean of praise in uh, for the Raja. I mean, when you read it, it's a bit embarrassing, but I suppose Rajas don't get embarrassed by praise. But he was so taken up. So he said, who are you? And he says, well, I'm Krishnan, uh, Krishnan Nair and this is my father. So the Raja says, uh, young man, I will pay for your education for as long as you want to stay. Study. So uniform, books, fees, everything. Fabulous. So he goes through school. Then when it's time for him to go to college, he again goes to the Raja. And by this time, unfortunately, the Raja is himself in dire straits. But uh, so now Krishnan is like feeling really upset, even more embarrassed than the Raja. But the Raja takes off his diamond ring and says here take it to Bapalal in Madras he was my jeweler he will give you enough money for your uh, for your college education and if there's any money left help somebody else and that's exactly what happened that's a wonderful nugget there and uh, from there on there was a, a phase when he was in the fringes of politics and uh, you know uh, hobnobbing with not just politicians but people who are senior civil servants and there is a, a VP that you keep mentioning who keeps popping up at strategic intervals through uh, uh, can I even call it a biography of course it, it is, is a biography the biography uh, you know who helps him out at strategic intervals when he's stuck on things yeah so that is VP Menon and let me tell you the story as to how this, poor, this humble little boy came into the ambit of somebody as powerful as VP Menon who as you know was the right hand man of Sardar Patel, he hobnobbed with three viceroys, all the leaders of the freedom struggle. So his mother, I think maybe who knew a thing or two about networking, you know, she sends this very humble jar of prawn pickle, homemade prawn pickle through VP Menon's second wife, Kanakamma, and says, you know, my little boy, my little son is, you know, homesick in Delhi. He was in the army, his first stint in the army. So would you mind, you know, just taking this bottle of, of uh, prawn pickle for him? And that's how he comes into to the awesome ambit of VP Menon and VP Menon opens all kinds of doors for him so let me tell you my favorite story of uh, you know where, where VP Menon helped him apart from various things like helping him set up various industries making him you know when VP Menon used to come into Bombay then all the former Maharajas used to drop in and meet him so that way he met mainly Maharaja Sindhya you know the senior and uh, and then he wants so once his wife means Captain Nara's wife Leela they, she kind of went to England and for the first time saw lace and she said we must make lace now I mean we must make lace means what you know it, you can't just make make lace so he said um, so VP Menon said well for lace you have to go to England and buy the looms from there and he of course kind of said let me sort of set it all up for you so Captain Nair goes to this manufacturer of looms of lace looms and this man says look I don't know you you're some unknown Indian how can I sell you these these looms how do I know you don't even know how to operate them so he says sir would you mind uh, if I used your telephone so and would you speak to this gentleman maybe this gentleman may give you my credentials and convince you so he picks up the phone says a few words and hands the phone to that manufacturer and says please speak to the gentleman and guess who's on the other end of the line Lord Louis Mountbatten <laughs> so Lord Louis 
Louis Mountbatten has already been been uh, alerted by VP Menon to please, in case you know my protege needs any help, do it. So this is there's also a degree of audacity, you know. And this is, I think, um, I mean, I, I this is what has kind of intrigued me, fascinated me about the kind of audacity that people like Captain Nair need. It's not just tenacity that has to be there, but without that passion, everyone has. But you have to get to that one degree higher, and that is that audaciousness. I'm actually going to do a, a, a little bit of a rewind here. It kind of intrigues me. It's almost fascinating to see that even though he was a, a Gandhian, he was fascinated by Nidaji Subhash Chandra Bose, and he went went and joined the army. And not just on one occasion, but I think on three occasions, even uh, two occasions, you know, went back and and worked first as a wireless uh, operator. So one is the Gandhian way of life, and the other is the the Bose way of life. Talk about that. Well, um, I think um, I mean. I don't I don't think I would make that comparison or that connection but certainly I will tell you that of all the leaders of the freedom struggle the person who were, who really impressed him was Netaji and he used to listen he was a civilian wireless officer and it was like a job that I mean he didn't know what else to do so he applied and he got it and uh, so he was posted in Abbottabad and uh, and he used to listen to the speeches on radio Sholin you know from Singapore and got truly truly inspired by by Netaji and then many years later he well didn't meet him but saw him at the Haripura Congress you know where all the the leaders of the freedom struggle were there and I'll tell you a story from there so and I don't know what is the truth of it but it was in his Malayalam biography Captain deniers and that um, suddenly netaji fell really ill with a very high fever and people didn't know what to do about it so this young man you know told whoever he went with ak gopalan and he told ak gopalan listen sir i had heard about this remedy that you have to take a, a, a piece of cloth soaked in breast milk and put it on this man's head so they i mean i don't know where they found breast milk in that great congress but i suppose they did because it's basda right and so there must have been some village woman nursing a baby so they managed to do that and apparently it did work and he says that you know that is something that isn't served in tea and coffee <laughs> if i remember <laughs> yes. correctly from your book and now let's let's come to you you did mention how he got into lace manufacturing and there's this extraordinary story of how three gargantuan machines were transported uh, from the uk and you know he set up shop here and you know there are details of how they were running out of spare parts and the unions kicked in and this was the time when datta samant and the labor movement was was spreading its tentacles around all the mills unfortunately we know how that went you know it all went down south i i want to now move to the hoteliering i mean here's a man who would go to new york city live in the waldorf obviously was very fascinated by the hotel business also uh, you know met the the owner of the kempinski and finally you talk about how he went and bought keku gandhi's bungalow so talk to me about the first leela the sahar and the lovely little story behind it uh, yes she actually had bought the bungalow first and leela well leela nayar was she, she didn't just give her name to the hotels she was of great force who kind of put him through all his ventures and uh, other than the army because that's the one career that she made him get out of and she was just this young bride when she came to gun house where he was this adc to general bra and uh, and said you know you can't be spending the rest of your life saluting all and sundry you better leave the army so then she uh, made him 
leave the army and uh, she saw this so they were already in that bungalow and the lace making was happening you know on those you know on a, uh, outhouse on the premises and all that but she saw this whole this new international airport coming up and she saw this line of dusty taxis you know going back and forth to the hotel and she says taxis international hotel you know that's where you have to be but of course uh, captain nair was already fascinated by the world of astoria the grandness and the grandeur that he had seen he'd already kind of got together a lot of nris to pitch in some money for it and that's how he actually got in but of course building that hotel wasn't a piece of cake you know and um, so he got into uh, a lot of trouble with ar antule who was the chief minister at that time and said no you can't come here this urban land sealing act you can't get this additional you know he had to get this land you know obviously he needed much much more land than what he had and he kept on stymieing it by certain accounts on the behest of the biggies of south bombay and uh, but he had another political patron which was vasundada patel who said look i am coming back to maharashtra and i will ensure that your hotel does get built and indeed you know he cleared the path and he did and he did to the ground breaking ceremony you know on target another point was that even when it came up to the fourth floor there was this story he was the he and the family sons were in delhi and because you as his son told me you need 55 permissions to set up a hotel so they were going back and forth to delhi and one time that they were there the indian express flashed this big story as to how all the rules were being broken to to you know to uh, ease the way of the of the nayars to build the leela hotel and that it was going to come in the you know the flight path of the of of the various planes but it was simply not true because the centaur hotel was already there right on the outskirts of the old you know domestic airport santa cruz so it was just just another story but again all his kerala mps at that point rallied behind him they explained that look you know this is absolutely not I, who was it then i think it was rajiv gandhi who was himself yes. a pilot he sent oscar fernandez to check it all out came back and said but of course you know they got the permissions but once again all the delays started and that was really the first of the delays which spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and ultimately pulled up the debt and the debt and the debt and you know ultimately they ha- did have to sell the whole chain but it has to his vision has to be saluted and of course leela's incredible industriousness if i could call it that it was initially thought of as to be a a franchise for the penta hotels but it was so opulent yes. in its design and construction that the penta people i think turned around and said this is a better fit with the campaign no actually campinski was on the board on the board. because there were those you know those five airlines yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so he said no this is too grand you please make it part of campinski and that was a rela- relationship that lasted a lifetime this is this wonderful thing that the kind of relationships that this man built and nurtured and obviously it was something very warm and very personal that went way beyond business true and of course uh, all bangaloreans would know the bangalore leela which is just opposite which used to be the old airport which used to be the hal airport now of course they have the new airport which is in another city <laughs> for all practical and on another planet it's, it's still a wonderful property the leela there opposite the old hal airport but you know i want you to f- for all of our listeners who like a bit of gossip and scandal i mean back in the day there was the centaur there was sun and sand in juhu and before all the marriotts and the other you know the hyats kicked in it was the leela and the cyclone discotheque and how you know all the bollywood glitterati would frolic there 
Yeah. Uh, so, what's your question? <laughs> My question is, give me some goss. <laughs> oh, give me some goss. Well, yes. Well, there's always goss with the hotel industry. And Rishi, I've done the biography of M.S. Oberoi, Dare to Dream, which was 20 years ago. And it's amazing the kind of parallels as to how the big chains, you know, try to sabotage, uh, you know, the, the, the Johnny come lately, which is exactly what he was. And, you know, they began to panic a bit about, uh, you know, this is this hotel. It's obviously not just an airport hotel, which is is a quickie normally you know wham bam thank you ma'am I check in and I check out but he built this you know super luxury place and it was attracting all this uh, all this attention so naturally they were trying their best to stymie it getting at all ahead and so a lot of the controversy the urban land ceiling act the fact about the uh, the flight path it was all generally you know chabied by the other chains and you know su surprisingly if I can just uh, uh, make a detour here the same thing had happened happened to the Taj Bengal in Calcutta. Of course, the you know, zoo. So, the yeah, zoo. so when, there's, when the Taj Bengal was coming up and it was exactly opposite the zoo and there they said, oh, it's going to be in the flight path of all the migratory birds which come in their thousands and lakhs, you know, to and, and roost on the lake. And, you know, the Chiriakhana Union was the one which had was fronting it but it was obviously not just the Chiriakana Union and and that's when I actually did a story where I was in the Statesman and I also went to do this environment story but um, I think with a little bit more training that I had under the likes of Kushwan Singh I did keep asking more questions and I then found that none of the migratory birds were really going to be affected except perhaps the ones who came in on two legs and paid the, the entrance fee and so it was the same story so very very much that then of course um, you know they said oh international hotel and when he built it the in long drawn out um, Iraq Iran war was going on so once again hotel built you know nothing is happening and they had to kind of wait and at that time Peter Arnett was you know giving these stirring you know uh, uh, live things and you could really really hear the, the you know the bombs going off in the background so it was like it again looked like you know this man is started and it's going to end before anything but another crisis closer home helped him because what happened was soon after there were those not that soon after there was the 92-93 riots and the bomb blast so then the people began to panic the airlines people formerly their crew would go to the Taj and the Oberoi which is like miles away from the airport so then they began to billet them at the at the Leela itself then it became a hotel which was so much closer you know Bombay Mumbai's traffic jams so it was so much closer to Bollywood and the cyclone discotheque became the biggest you know swinging place so it got the whole Bollywood crowd then at that time there were no international flights coming out of places like Bangalore and Hyderabad so people like Azim Premji would have to come to, to Bombay to take the flight so the air the airline traffic that they got was not the you know the back end but the front end so they had a lot of things going for them yeah and you know as a man he was obviously a hustler he was obviously a go-getter i mean even at, at the point of of his father-in-law being in the textile business he wanted to you know start his own shop mm. and there was a point when he he went and appealed to NRIs saying, you know, this, yes. these are my projects. Can we raise some funds? And he was always looking at that. And an interesting nugget in the book is about how I remember as a kid when Murjani from New York was much publicized as being the denim for women. 
and uh, lesser known fact is that he was at the, at the forefront of that too and now we will also after a mention of that go into the madras check story which i think is fascinating yeah so yes so murjani in fact i know and you know murjani you thought he was italian but he was sindhi from new york yes yeah, sindhi from new york and actually the amazing number of sindhis who have been involved in this uh, in this man's uh, legend because they were all these importers of first the textiles and then of the re- much more of the ready made and it was this whole sindhi network which is i think as impressive not more than the mallu network and i think this man tapped into both so murjani through the glory of vanderbilt you know the first designs jeans designed for women you know and uh, so so yes and so he got into that then he got into with liz clayburn earlier to come back to madras checks it was brooks brothers and then tommy hilfiger and in fact the, you know when on his last trip which was when he was already 90 years old and he goes to new york because he wants to go back to all his old haunts go to the restaurants go to his bespoke stores because as you know he was this really flamboyant dresser and he goes there and Tommy himself you know comes and drops in and has has coffee with him you know knowing that this is probably the last time I'll see him and he was this indefatigable man you know rushing around to all his old haunts and his yeah, and having a little break every afternoon but the break was not so much for him as for his younger son who needed to catch back his you know recharge his own energy to keep up with his 90 year old father yeah but as as a proud tamilian let me uh, add to this the trivia about madras checks is i mean for those of you who are living under a rock is that when you wash the fabric it would bleed and thereby you could have different colors on different days depending on how, how often you'd wash it but he also got into a tricky situation because what somebody didn't tell the brooks brothers stores for you, and I, i leave you to complete that story okay yeah so you know there was this big um, big textile import uh, importer who came in and who who uh, and then he was put in touch uh, the, the textile commissioner had uh, put in put him in touch with captain nair because captain nair at that time was really promoting handlooms in a big way to the extent where pandit nehru you know really wasn't interested in the handloom sector because it wasn't a, an employment generator and he wanted to promote power looms but captain nair went with this delegation not only convinced um, nehru to support the handloom sector but got him to impose a one paisa cess on all mill fa- every yard of mill fabric and and then he collected all this money to help handloom so anyway so this textile importer comes in and he says what have you got for me so captain nair um said uh, you know well here's this fabric it's made in madras and it's got these checks it's kind of uh, you know washed with gingerly oil which is why it has this distinctive fragrance and every time it washes you actually get a new fabric because the color bleeds so he was fascinated and he said fine and he went back and he said, and he kind of put it out into his network and brooks brothers you know the high end i mean well not high end but certainly big you know the big big uh, store said oh we are interested and they bought you know this whole production and they made it into sports jackets and shorts and all that but as you said forgot to give this uh, the line that it bleeds the so actually the caveat <laughs> so they put it into the washing and then they found that not only did that did that fabric come out as an entirely new garment but everything else that was in the washing machine also came out as a completely different garment so hell broke loose and there were there were you know legal notices but captain 
denier said, you know, look, sorry, I gave you the information and uh, you it's not my fault. And uh, so, of course, Brooks Brothers, you know, being decent guys said, yes, yes, it's not yours. And then, of course, you know, turning, you know, weakness into strength and threat into opportunity. He got, you know, Madison, uh, uh, David Ogilvy, you know, to, to sort of do the promotion. And they actually put it into their tagline, guaranteed to bleed. Correct. But what an extraordinary story. I mean, I was speaking to Sam Balsara two weeks ago and he was talking about he was how he was friends with, with Captain C.P. Krishnan Nair. And he said to the day, uh, you know, Captain Nair is his biggest inspiration to continue working, to show up at Madison every single day because age is just a number. I mean, here's a man who from 65 to 92 lived the best years of his life. So remarkable. I'm a firm believer in the fact that you can't give everything away. <laughs> the, you must go and buy the book. There's lots more in there. So we've given you more than a sneak peek. Capture the Dream, The Many Lives of Captain C.P. Krishnan Nair by Bachi Karkaria is on all online and on-ground stores. Please go get it. If you're looking at other books uh, written by Bachi, it's In Hot Blood, The Nanavati Case That Shook India. Dare to Dream, the best-selling biography of M.S. Oberoi, Mumbai Masti, Mills, Malls and Mula Behind the Times and The Cake That Walked. And she also tweets at Bachi Karkaria, please. It's a B-A-C-H-I, not a double C. <laughs> Thank you for that, Rishi. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful talking to you. And uh, well, I can't wait to see you again. Take care. Have a good time at the, the Calcutta Literature Festival. Thank you very much. You're going back home in a sense. Yes. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Rishi, who uh, I knew as a young young boy in shorts in Calcutta, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank yeah. you so much, Rishi.